Hello everyone, welcome back to Rocket Pod, the brand new podcast where myself, James and Peter are on a mission to deconstruct amazing visionary stories, bringing people from all over the world, having some amazing conversations, finding those insights, those strategies, those habits, sharing them with you guys, our listeners at home, so you can then try and implement what they do. Um, and joining us on the mic for our guest is Simon Severino, fellow podcaster and founder of Strategy Sprints. Now, sadly, I wasn't able to join this recording, but please sit back and enjoy as James and Peter deconstruct Simon's story. Enjoy. Hey, so cool to be here. Hello, James. Hello, Peter. Hello, Rocket Pop Nation. Whereabouts are you today, Simon? Uh, I'm in Vienna, Austria. I was running in the morning. I was playing with my kids a couple hours. I had a couple hours conversations with California, and then I had a website critique, and now I'm here with you guys. Yes. Is that a, a normal day for you, those kind of activities? Yeah, quite, quite a typical day, yeah. yeah. yeah it sounds, sounds nice. So I have a question for you, though. Have, have you written any of your book today? Oh, no, no, today I didn't write anything today. You didn't? Okay. Well, I feel a bit better because I didn't write any of mine either, so brilliant. So, um, so what's on your mind, Simon? Why, why are you here? What, what have you got to share the world or share our listeners? Um, depending on where they are right now, if they are like most people in the pandemic and they run a business, I can share a couple of things that uh, don't work, that work uh, in running a global business the, the agile way. So one conversation that Peter and I were having before you joined, which was really interesting, was um, Peter, he was questioning me as far as do I ever want to just focus on one thing and not have a multitude of things to, to run to? And Peter used the analogy that, you know, today he wanted to, or whether it was today or yesterday, wanted to work on fixing um, a hinge on a cupboard. So Peter's a furniture maker uh, or furniture designer and, and a builder, as well as, a, you know, a photographer. And, um, you know, he, he, he just wanted to work on this hinge all day. Uh, and I was just thinking of you, you know, as far as, you know, just because you're juggling, you know, if you focus on one thing, I said to him that you might want to finish that, that cupboard, but then today he's on a podcast, which is completely not related to the, the hinge on the cupboard. And we were talking about, you know, your life philosophies about freedom and just making, you know, from your experiences, I think you've got on your website that, you know, you used to be a hamster on the wheel and you wanted to kind of remove yourself from the, from the doing. So I wondered if you could talk to us about what freedom means to you um, and if there's anything that I've just shared about Peter's question to me about how you look at, you know, a complex world um, and um, your ability to be free to focus on what you want to. Freedom is very important to me. I'm, I'm a freedom guy. So f freedom is one of our six core values. It's focus, freedom, flow hungry, happy, humble. And um, freedom is the most important. Freedom is why I created my own business. Freedom is why I start my day with, with running in nature, first thing before breakfast, before anything else. I run 10 kilometers. So freedom is everything for me. And how we live it in the team is that everybody can work. So we are a remote team from the beginning, born remote because it was really clear that everybody should be able to work whenever they want on, on whatever they want 
at their time, at their pace. And so we are in different countries. There is, there is no way that we are all working on that task at the same time. We, we would need really to, to push it in order to make that happen. And it's not, it's not necessary. We can build beautiful stuff every day and everybody builds uh, bits and pieces where they are at their time asynchronously and we bring the pieces together. Technology makes it possible. So we have built everything around freedom. Also the freedom to, to make money as much as you want. In our team, you can, do, you, you can work less in some months, in some years, in some um, parts of your lifetime, and you can work more uh, when you want to work more. You can gain uh, as much as you want. You can do minimum, you, you can absolutely crush it. And, um, and you, you steer that thing, that's how, how we have created that system. So freedom is really important to us. And, um, but the, the counterpoint is responsibility. With freedom comes responsibility. You cannot have one without the other. So as soon as you have that vast realm of possibilities, you have now also the responsibility to focus on the important things. Otherwise you get lost. So, Today, of course, I feel compelled to jump on Clubhouse and have fun there because it's just a fun thing to do. But uh, today, it wouldn't add anything to what is important um, to the people I serve. And these are first my family, then my clients, then my team, then myself. So it, does, it, does it really um, uh, solve one of their problems? No. So no Clubhouse today. That, that's how we focus. Do, do you feel you're uh, sorry? Do you feel you're a very analytical person? Um, is that something you've learned, like the to not just kind of do the clubhouse and the fun? The clubhouse is just an example, but to go and do the fun thing, and um, you see the fun in going and doing that, uh, but you don't see the value in doing it specifically today. But is that something that you've kind of learned over time, or is it were you kind of born with that? Were you like that as a child, like not? like impulsive but then you can stand back and say actually i'm not going to do that today i'm going to focus on my homework rather than going and playing football with my friends and those kind of things or is it something that you've learned kind of in your adult life uh, within business yeah so my being and my role my being is very creative spontaneous intuitive impulsive i just go with intuition and every two seconds i'm bored and i do something new that, that's how I'm, I'm, I'm like a dog who sees a squirrel <laughs> and, and I see squirrels all the time. Uh, knowing that my role in business is CEO and knowing that, I know that that makes people crazy because you have a focus for one week and then Simon comes and destroys the focus in midweek. So knowing that in role, I am different. Um, some parts I amplify, some parts I contain. So that part I contain, I wait until Friday and then I tell it as, an, as a proposal for the next week, not to make people crazy midweek. Uh, this is something that I learned as an entrepreneur, that when you lead people, and, and, I am, and I am horrible at leading people, but it's the role and so I'm trying to make the best out of it. Um, and so one thing is to talk about it. What are our superpowers? What makes you crazy working with me? And then we talk about it, we act upon it, 
uh, everybody calls me out to say, yeah, Simon, but we have a plan. Can we agree to the sprint plan? Can we, can we finish that and then start the next? Uh, which is very important. And it's important that I give the allowance to that. And it's important that they speak up. And, and it takes two to tango. So it's both sides is really important. And, um, and then we have also learned in entrepreneurship that we do a ton of things. We call it multiple parallel experiments. And then we work by reduction. So we measure all of them every seven days latest. And then every seven days, we cut the 10%, we call them the losers, the 10% that least resonate with the people we serve. We cut them. For example, today we went over all the emails. We do a fractal, we call it a fractal. So what is the smallest part that represents the whole population? In this case, it was 1,000 emails. We sent 1,000 to uh, we, we send 45 emails to 1,000 people. And now every seven days, we go over that and we cut the losers. Click rate, open rate, unsubscribe rate. Winners stay. 10% of the losers get cut out every seven days. And this is now, in three months, we will have an, just the essentials, the winning emails. So this is how we focus over time. A lot of action points. And then by elimination, Using data, we are very data-driven. So we don't say what's right, data says what's right. And then from, by elimination, we let our audience basically tell us what's working, what's not working. We eliminate 10% every week after three months, and that's one, one cycle of our work. We always plan in 90 days. Uh, so after 90 days, we have found the essence and we are very focused. But we don't start focused, we start creative. Okay, so it sounds like the creativity. So actually, so going back to when you were like your natural, you know, when you were younger, I'd love to hear a bit about your childhood. Um, it sounds like you're you're very creative, uh, and you are an ideas person. Lot, lots of squirrels running around, and you've got a team behind you now in your business that that can actually help um, execute upon these ideas, and. Um, I think we're kindred spirits because you know I have 20 ideas a day, and my team helps me eliminate probably 95% of them. But you know there'll be some winners in there. So can you talk a little bit about your your upbringing? Um, I know that you went on to to study philosophy, to figure out you know your your life's journey to where you are. I'm sorry to go back, but it's just I think it's kind of useful for our listeners, bearing in mind that a lot of our listeners are Gen Z, um, so they're just making a start in life. Um, and there's also entrepreneurs that are looking to get some wisdom. Um, but are you able to kind of go back, maybe your first um, experience in business? You know, what, what sparked that entrepreneurial thing? Was that something that took time? Um, can you give us a flavor of that? As a kid, I was an immigrant and an outsider, uh, a crazy guy. What, what's, what's this guy? What's this guy? saying i don't get it so i was like half philosopher half punker <laughs> and so the punk side was okay whatever whatever you say i don't give a shit uh and the philosopher part was okay you think this is important but i see that this in a couple of years is over 
So please let me concentrate on the evergreen. Uh, don't bore me with what's going on right now, because in the bigger scheme of things, I see other things as being important. And these things being important were not what other people were seeing as being important. So my teachers uh, were teaching stuff that I didn't find rele relevant at all. So I created my own bubble <laughs> okay. with other strange punk friends, strange philosopher friends. So we were the, the opposite of the cool sports people. We were outsiders. Uh, nobody would talk to us and, and we would and we would just talk to each other that's that was my upbringing and add to that the being immigrant so I was a double outsider always observing and trying to understand why are people like they are this is how I get uh, later into studying philosophy because um, and psychology by the way because I wanted to to understand the whole thing and, um, and, and really just, just spend time on what matters. And to me, it was just a few things. And until today, uh, I prefer to read Socrates than, than to watch the news. I learn more about my life and about the planet from Socrates than from BBC. So, so who, who is we and where did you immigrate, immigrate to and from? <laughs> Just to kind of give an understanding of where you moved to, could you speak the language? Um, you were obviously in a different culture, presumably, <clears throat> and you were very inquisitive and kind of being that observer. So is we your friends? Did you find some other immigrants or other folks from different walks of life to kind of form the we? Or was the we your family? Yeah, so... We moved from, from Rome to South Italy. That was the first shift. And in South Italy, I was like, oh, this guy from the big city. Oh, the city guy. He thinks he's fancy. He has fancy words. And then and I, I, I had to show, no, no, I'm like you. I'm like you. No, you're not. You're fancy. Okay, I'm fancy. And then the second shift was from South Italy, the very small village, to Austria. Um, which was all about mountains and skiing and snow. And it was the first time I saw snow and mountains and skiing. So uh, I, was, I, I was completely um, uh, strange, strange to, that, to, that, to this kind of landscape, to this culture. And again, starting from you again, being an outsider in a country and learning the language from, from the very beginning. And so... And how old were you when you moved to Austria? When I moved to Austria, I was 14. Okay. Okay, very formative years then. Formative years, still easy to absorb and to learn. So I learned quickly the new language and I had to learn how to learn something quickly. This, this, this has stayed with me as a skill that I now use in entrepreneurship because every week we are learning new skills. Every time a, an algorithm change, we have to change our messaging. Every time a market shifts, we have to change our offer. So we, the, the skill of, of learning something quickly, uh, that has stayed with me and that is, that is saving our life every month in, with our company right now. That's really interesting. But we were the strange, the strange kids. So uh, of course, I tried to connect <laughs> to, to somebody. 
And um, they were also outsiders, either immigrants or people who had these similar questions, like uh, what, what are the important things uh, to really care about? Like, um, for example, the planet. We, we really cared about the future of the planet. And until today, it's like, it's, it's still not the majority of people who are thinking about uh, how, how, how we treat the planet. Like, uh, it's, it's still a couple of strangelings uh, raising that question, and most people are uh, thinking about um, outside. So it's okay. So just from what you've just uh, shared with us, thank you for um, sharing a bit about your, you know, your upbringing and uh, your experiences as a as a young boy. So, okay, at fourteen, so you're. It's almost like this fearlessness to be plunged into a completely strange environment. You're obviously you figured out how to find your feet quickly, um, and then you know you learned the language very rapidly. And you said that you've taken these early years experiences into into entrepreneurship. So moving forward to kind of strategy sprints, um, you're you're looking for the most efficient way to get a result. Um, and you mentioned you know the emails, um, and so, so it's almost like um, you're innovating. You've got these ideas. Um, you know, your, I'd love to hear more about your philosophy, you know, your, your experience studying philosophy, but it sounds like you're, you're a bit of a risk taker. You put yourself out there. You, you're, a, you're an ideas man, but also you're very thoughtful about what it means. Um, and then keeping an, um, kind of almost being very aware about what's going on in the environment around you, whether that's a business environment, a market, a country. So you've, you've taken these innate skills um, and you form strategy sprints. So can you, could you touch on your a bit more about the philosophy studying? You know what that what that gave you, um, or what, what you know that that piece, and then translate into kind of your journey to strategy sprints. Um, I know you've done a lot of public speaking, and you know you're an educator. I think you mentioned you were a member of the the Duke uh, Education Network, uh, and you know your work at Conciliation, Conciliation Ventures, you know, helping entrepreneurs. So, what does strategy sprint stand for? Um, and a little bit on the philosophy side. Yeah, so keeping that question in philosophy was still what matters and what doesn't. What is evergreen and what is changing all the time. So we shouldn't spend uh, too much energy and attention on it. This is what I learned in philosophy and, and really thinking. Uh, so finding out the difference between things. Now, I, I, I came into business, I started as a junior consultant in, in a consulting company, in a global consulting company, junior consultant. Uh, and being, uh, having studied philosophy helped a lot because quick structured thinking is exactly what you need as a, as a management consultant. So uh, it was a good skill. I, I, was, um, I, I made a career very quickly. Uh, in, from junior consultant, consultant, senior consultant, junior project manager, project manager, senior project manager, principals in, uh, in, in, in fast time. And, um, and I, I, I was on the top projects. I was doing strategy execution uh, with, with the most interesting brands on the planet and, and working with their executive teams. So I would fly to New York and then a week later to Paris and a week later to Beijing and being on really big topics and how to roll it out, which was amazing. I learned so much. And, and I also saw what's broken with traditional strategy 
consulting. So we made millions uh, without really changing what was broken because it was working for us really well. So we surfed that wave very long, but I saw the things and I started collecting both problems and solutions. So one problem was that the workshop uh, culture, uh, you wait for three weeks, then your advisor comes, then there is an eight hour workshop because eight hours is for, for some reason, there is some religion that says eight hours is the way to, the, the way to work. <laughs> it's based on nothing, but people do it. They think eight hours is, is something real. Okay, then eight hours sitting and then everybody flies back to their city and, and, and then nothing happens really because in this workshop you were talking all the time. Uh, um, we made a ton of money and then you fly back to your home and you have all the homework amazing for us but not really smart for the client right so two things were really broken this workshop culture and the the fact that in the workshop no problem was solved but just blah 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 and then uh, making a list of tasks that the team then has to implement so why did we spend eight hours together if my if now i have to do all the work so we could have spent that eight hours solving problems so I started studying uh, smarter ways, and there is one. The, the book Sprint is exactly how to take decisions in the meeting and not after the meeting. It has amazing tools on a product level on how to take decisions as a team, not to blah, 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 but really to build prototypes during the session. And it is amazing on the product level. The only problem is I am working with the executives. So they are not thinking about how to build a nice program. They are, how to, they are thinking about how to run a company. And there was nothing about that. So we built it. We have built the sprint method for how to run an agile company, which is exactly this. Uh, no prototype, no meeting. So there is no blah, blah, blah talking about how should we run the company. Everybody has built some proposals. They have tested them five times. They come together and now we talk about the numbers. This one worked 15%, that one worked 27%. What do we learn from it? What do we do with it? And this is now a much better system because you start with building with the creative side. Then you come with the numbers. This is the analytical side. And now you leverage the power of team, of the collective which is not disgusting, is not creating. It is afterward learning from the numbers. This is what a team is good at. And now, now we found the perfect flow and we are much better coaches now. And um, fortunately enough, we were seeing the, the, the weak signals. The internet was here and it was pre-pandemic. We didn't see the pandemic coming, but we did see the internet coming, obviously. And so we went full digital. And so pre-pandemic, we were ready and, and we're lucky now. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how, from studying philosophy, being uh, a, a management consultant, and then creating a better solution uh, with strategy sprints about the things that we saw not working.
I'd like to take this moment to introduce to you our sponsor, Flexi, the must-have app to track and manage your subscriptions in one place. So most of us have multiple subscriptions nowadays for things like streaming services, gym memberships and food deliveries. These are great and take the hassle out of buying everyday products that we consume regularly, but it can be hard to keep track of them. That's where Flexi comes in handy, using super secure technology to connect your accounts to see all your subscriptions in a single dashboard, putting you in control of your spending. And what's more, Flexi's subscription marketplace allows you to discover new products you may love, or easy to pause, resume, or cancel in a swipe or two. So give Flexi a try, it's free to download from the App Store, or check out their website at www.flexiapp.uk. That's F-L-E-X-Y app.uk. Back to the podcast. That's really interesting. I think the book that you're referring to um, is the five day Google sprint. Is that right? Is that, is that the book? Yes. Because, um, my experience with that, uh, just for our listeners. So I had to manage a big project in my, my last, uh, you know, in a former life, uh, for a FinTech business. And I bought 10 copies of the five day Google sprint book. I read it. I loved it. I gave five to the, um, the, the, the financial services business that we were going to be building this product for. I gave five to our engineering team. Um, I made them all read it within like week, 10 days. And actually I eliminated myself from the sprint because I realized I was just a, a guest expert, probably good for an hour, but I wasn't actually the people that needed to be in the sprint. So within a week, we created the prototype, including actually marketing it, um, actually an interview, a video camera of people using this this prototype um, and it was a success and they ended up investing about a million pounds into actually building the the software so um, I'm a big fan of the the Google Spin but it sounds like you took that those those you know you took the best ideas from that and you made it even better with strategy sprints um, and different uh, things. It took, it's two different things so uh, uh, Jake Knapp and John Zeratsky they took everything that was working in design thinking, in systems theory, etc. And everything that was working already, they collected it, made the best of on how to take decisions in a team about a product that you want to launch later. That's the sprint book. And it saves you a ton of time and a ton of money because you fast forward. So you don't launch like you typically would launch with a six months launch or one year launch. You do a fast forward, you just create a facade, a prototype and not, not working prototype. It's just a sketch of something, but you test it uh, and before you build it in order that you can decide quickly if you want to go that road or not. That's on a product level. Now, what if we take these principles and apply them to how to run a company, uh, positioning, strategy, marketing, operations, hiring, firing, the entrepreneurial topics. I was like, there is nothing really helpful for these topics. And these principles, they work perfectly on the product level. How can we use this principle and build something for how to run a company? And that's, that's what we built. Very good. And the book will be out there in February. But we are doing this every week with our with our clients right now from California to, to Sydney. Now that, that's good. I'm pleased you clarified that because okay, so that's a like one module of a sea of modules. 
So you could have a hundred different modules and the, the, the strategy sprint book is good for the prototype to make rapid decisions, making sure that the decision makers are in the room um, to actually, you know, come up with something that is testable basically. And then based on the data, you can decide whether that's something you want to, you know, fire a cannonball and invest big time in, in the project. If you look at, at children, um, my boys, for example, they're two, two years old, Alessandro and five years old, Federico, they think with their hands. They don't uh, make a committee and talk for eight hours. They just put their hands on something, they, they glue it together, and then they say, Papa, look, it's a bird. And I go like, yeah, it's true, it's a bird. It's a bird. And it took them three seconds to build a bird. And then you get immediately, yes, it's a bird, or Alessandro comes and says, no, that's a dog. Okay, no, I have to wait. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a sprint. Okay, That's yeah, a sprint. Yeah. Prototype, test, validation, invalidation. And then next round. So it can be six seconds a sprint. And so this is the natural way of, of creative people. And uh, the opposite is committees who come together and shareholder committees and uh, whatever there is else out there. All the boring stuff. Uh, and so a startup cannot, cannot do that boring stuff. They're out of business in a couple of months they need something more applicable. And so I was like, okay, let's take these principles, build first, then talk, and let's apply these to the executive level because they need it badly. Mm -hmm. So on that, it might be a good segue, on that subject, there's actually two questions. One is, has there been a habit that you've implemented into your life, let's just say in the, in the last six months, that is a keeper? That is one to yeah, it's one to keep for the rest of your life. That you could share with the uh, the audience. The other one is, <laughs> if there was one habit that an entrepreneur or CEO or actually anyone could implement, is it would that be the same thing, or you know, would there be something else that you that you implemented years ago that you would say that everyone, you know, who's you know leading a business or and in fact you could put it in any context you like really because this is this podcast is about visionaries taking an idea and putting it into reality. We can get onto that in a little bit. I have a, a couple habits that are absolutely key to, to, to staying in the game, to keep rolling. Uh, one is that every day before breakfast, I do one hour of uh, exercise in nature. I, I, I do 10 kilometers of running uh, every day before breakfast. And uh, there are no excuses whether, uh, where, Whatever the weather, whatever the temperature, if it's weekday or weekend, I don't care. Before breakfast, 10 kilometers. And that has helped me a lot. I did it the last 365 days. Excellent. And um, it helps a lot because it keeps you, it keeps you going. It keeps you alive and uh, there is enough oxygen. And it, it keeps the blood flowing. And it's, it's something natural and something helpful. As an entrepreneur, what I... The daily habit, I have a daily habit, a weekly habit, and a monthly habit as an entrepreneur. And the daily habit is writing down how do I spend my time. So uh, I, I do it on my iPad here and I write down, okay, 6.30 running, 8 top three things, 9 top three things, 10 write 600 words. Uh, 11, give this interview, 12, lunch, etc. So I write down how the day will flow. And then I ask myself two questions at the end of the day. One is, 
which of these tasks would somebody else do better than me? Mm, I like that. And then write a couple of them down. Either the one that were draining and I hated this task, like accounting, uh, bookkeeping, uh, bookkeeping. And then the, and the second question is, if I would live more freely and more intentionally, what would I do? And usually this is something about the people I care about and spending more time with them instead of business. And so these two questions, that's a really important habit. And I do the, the flow of tomorrow's day, tonight when I end my day. At around 6 p.m. I end my day and I go to the other room where I, I either cook uh, for my family or I just play with them and then we eat. Uh, and so before I do that, five minutes, I create the flow of tomorrow. I think about the top three tasks. I write down exactly what we're going to do. And, uh, and I, I keep that. I really do that. Tomorrow, that's the flow of tomorrow. And emails are not part of the morning. They are part of the afternoon. That's important. Also, no telephone calls in the morning. Everything afternoon. Everything social in the afternoon. And everything deep work is in my morning. Because that's where I build stuff. Uh, building for me is writing or recording or thinking, this is really important, just to think one hour. And then in the afternoon, things like meetings and um, everything social, actually. So are you an introvert or an extrovert, Simon? That, you know, I don't know. So it depends on the definition, because some people say the definition is you take energy from, from, uh, be, from working alone or from working with others. I think I'm exactly 50-50 because in the morning, don't touch me. Like you asked me for an interview in the morning. I said, no way, no way. <laughs> the morning, I am just doing deep work. I meet nobody in the morning. So I feel like in the morning, I'm an extreme introvert. And it, but in the afternoon, I love interviews. I can go on Clubhouse. I can talk in front of 7,000 people and improvise anything. I love it. And I guess that's more of the introvert. So every day at five o'clock in the evening, I have my podcast and I have one guest. I talk to one stranger every day. That gives me also energy, but it, it has to be in the afternoon. So I guess I'm, I'm half-half morning introvert, afternoon extrovert. Interesting. Maybe if we just go back to, I really liked what you said about the daily, uh, the weekly, but I don't know if you covered the monthly, um, the, the kind of tasks yeah, that you daily operations. Uh, how do I spend my time? What do I learn from it? Weekly habit, getting all the numbers of all these experiments. So measuring all the marketing numbers, all the operations numbers, and all the sales numbers. Everybody in my team writes this thing down. We all report. And we learn from that. It's a spreadsheet. We, we look at these numbers. We take conclusions. We cut the 10% losers. We double down on the winners. We put more money, more time in the winners. And we cut out the, the losing activities. So uh, that's the weekly habit. And the monthly habit is, okay, now the big picture. Let, let's look at this whole thing. That's the philosopher now coming. Once a month, let's look at the whole thing, positioning. Are we selling the right thing to the right people at the right price in the right place? And some, most, it's just, yeah, yeah, check, 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 check. But sometimes it's, oh, moment, uh, the place has changed. They don't gather there anymore. They gather there. 
we have to change our, 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 our paid ads, we have to change our uh, outreach system, whatever that is, we have to change the channel. So we take one hour or two hours and adapt the position in question. The second question of the monthly habit is, are, what's our confidence in percentage from one to 100 that we are the best in solving exactly this problem for this person? And if it's 100%, then it's okay. But if it's just 99%, we stop and discuss that. And we want everybody's confidence level. We want to hear everybody in the team. Why? Why 73%? Because that's a foundation. The mindset is foundational. It, there is a confidence transfer to the other side. If you believe that your product is not the best thing, you will not sell it. The other part will feel it. So if you... If your confidence is 60%, you cannot get more across than 40% on the other side. You have to be 120% so that the other person feels 100 because there is always a gap in what you can transmit, of course. Communication is always a gap. And so you can transmit just part of it. So you have to be above 100. And so we make sure that that is clear. And we learned it from the sports people because a basketball team, you can be Magic Jordan, you have the skills, you know that you are that you are capable of doing magic stuff. But if you walk into that game with 70% confidence on that day, in that moment, because in the morning, I don't know, your kids had, uh, had COVID or whatever, and you walk into that game with just 70%, that changes everything. That day you will not manifest the magic in the Jordan. And that's why confidence is so important. Uh, and, and we check that once a month. So these are the three habits. Daily operations, how we spend our time. Weekly, all the numbers, marketing, operations, sales. And monthly, big picture, positioning, mindset. Have you, have you ever heard of the... Thanks for sharing that, Simon. It's very, very interesting. Have you ever heard of the 888 philosophy? And... And, and, and then the other thing is the four-day work week. So 888 is basically eight hours sleeping, eight hours working, and eight hours doing what the hell you like um, for that innovation piece. And I haven't cracked it yet, but I, I love the idea. In principle, I love the idea of the, the four-day work week, but I've kind of realized that that's not always practical. Um, but I like the idea of having, you know, the, the team have their core, you know, everyone has their core business. And that's important. Um, and everything you've described, you know, you've got to perfect that and, you know, and just keep, keep innovating, keep driving, keep finding efficiencies, keep growing. But then there's this, because I'm, I mean, I'm speaking from a kind of creative person, I, that, that innovation piece where the team get to work on whatever they like, even if it's not really necessarily agreed as a, a strategy for the business, but it's something that is important to them. And it's almost like I, I see, you know, as I build the Flexi business, if someone has a really cool idea that they're just let to get on with, whether it's an engineer or anyone, um, then I think it's going to, you know, help drive the business forward. Do you have any comments about, um, about how you build innovation into your team uh, as something that is completely away from your core business? And, you know, do you, do you rate that? Do you think it's important? Um, and is there a better, more um, practical, 
solution than the four-day work week. I know Google and lots of big companies have implemented it. And there's there's mixed reviews. Uh, but do you have any insights on on that kind of thinking? E- even a shorter work week. I mean, anything that is around where you actually got more time to focus on what's really important to you, whatever that might be. One thing that we do in our team is we go quickly over all the projects and all the activities, and then we say, what can we cut? Can we cut this in half? And then we start cutting. For example, is, is SAO really, really moving the needle forward? If, if, our, if our page speed gets from 1.2 seconds to 1.1 second in seven days, is that really such a difference or can we just skip it? Instead, we build a PDF, uh, like a hiring guide, which might help much more people. And uh, okay, we keep doing the hiring guide and we skip the SEO project. And then we do a second round. Can we cut it again in half? Again, we go through all the things and find what's moving the needle really forward. And we use the 80-20 mindset that Whatever you scan for impact, you will find 20% moving 80% forward. And that is fractal. You can do it again and again and again. So that's why we do it every week. And um, this is how we cut what we do. But we don't use um, any other other, uh, formats. It's just this, reducing the things that we do to a minimum, making sure they are the high impact things, and that and having this huge freedom baked into every day. So we don't need to say 20% of your time you can do what, what you want because 100% of the time they can do what they want. But okay, I see we measure you every mean. day. So they will be very intentional about what they do because every seven days we measure. So yeah, whatever you do, at the end, it will, it will contribute to our, our, our goal, which is very clear in front of us. So we have only three numbers, uh, a dashboard of three numbers. So we are not so much like a corporate team. We are more like friends playing basket. We see the goal. It's there. Everybody knows what is the goal in seven days. And so every, you can say, okay, I go more offense, I go more defense, etc. But there is one game we are playing. There is only one game. It's doubling the revenue of service businesses in 90 days. It's the only game we play. And, and, that, and, and we are number one in it because we do nothing else. So every week we improve on what's winning. We double down on what's winning. That's why we improve every week. And that's our competitive advantage. And that's... So we keep executing on that and we see the goal there. The rest is freedom. So, the, okay, so just to, just my understanding is, is that your approach to what the question I asked is that you want to make sure that each team member is focused on their true authentic skills or what brings them joy in, in, their, in their work. So if there's a task that takes away energy or takes them longer than what it should do, then that is outsourced or that is given to another team member that would energize them. Um, and obviously, if things aren't working, then you cut them. So you, you're, actually, you're, you're actually creating um, a framework to provide 
to make sure that everyone is on the right seat to the bus, everyone's focused on, everyone's aligned to achieve the same goals, whatever they might be. And you'd mentioned that, you know, the, the, the purpose of strategy sprints is to double sales in 90 days and you're very good at that. And that, that is your focus. Um, but you're able to create um, a framework where, yeah, where, where folks have focused on the right things. Yes, the, f the focus is only one thing, helping service businesses double their revenue in 90 days. And then we have two principles, freedom and scaling. And, and they are the same for everybody. So what I do, also my assistant does, the marketing team does, the, everybody does the same thing, which is writing down what they do and in the evening thinking, what should somebody else do? I like that. Now, when you find that thing, then you are responsible for scaling yourself. So find somebody that will do it. Go and hire. For, so everybody hires in our team. I'm not the only person hiring. Uh, everybody hires because everybody should scale. Mm -hmm. Everybody is a leader in our team. So, for example, um, uh, Michelle at the beginning, she was just doing LinkedIn outreach. Now she has a team of 13 people doing LinkedIn outreach. She, she has multiplied herself. She, she, she just gets the reports from them. I didn't interview not a single person from that team. I don't even know everybody from that team. And that's, that's exactly the idea. That's the freedom and scaling. Mm. She has the responsibility. She reports every seven days about the progress. And I'm happy with that. And everything else is her freedom. Where she sources people, how she sources people, it's her thing. She writes down the process. Uh, I, could, I could look it up in Notion. I could look up the hiring process for the marketing team. I don't. I trust. I see the results every seven days. I trust the rest. That's interesting. So it's funny because before uh, you joined, um, my, I have a brother who actually Peter and my brother are really great friends. And um, my brother is 12 years my junior. And, you know, Stephen is very laid back. Um, and he's got enough clients. He's a, he does landscaping and that type of thing. He has, uh, he has, you know, works three days. He's fully booked. He can't take any more work. Um, but so I, I introduced a client to him the other day and, you know, my idea, it was a commercial client. It was like an hour work. It was very easy. Uh, but of course he didn't want to take on any more work, but I, I was thinking, well, it would be really great if Stephen, you know, had another, like a protege to help him, you know, grow, you know, help him do some of the work. So he actually has more freedom to do the stuff that he wants to do. And if he wants to go on holiday, his landscaping business will keep running without him. But of course he was saying that, you know, I don't need the money and, you know, and he wouldn't mind me sharing this, would he, would he Peter? I don't need, you know, it's not really important to me. Um, but that wasn't, I was thinking about the freedom piece and he was thinking about, oh, you know, cause he looks at me and we're, we're like almost like polar opposite, you know, um, and you know, yes. You I'm are never, referring. What's you that? are referring to the most beautiful, the most beautiful conundrum that there is. It's freelancer or entrepreneur. At some point, you have to ask yourself, are you a freelancer or are you an entrepreneur? You are an entrepreneur. He is a freelancer. It's completely different things and two different definitions of freedom. For the freelancer, the definition of freedom is the freedom to stop working at some point in the week. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, okay, and yeah, for the yeah. entrepreneur, freedom is how to scale stuff, how to grow stuff. 
And so you go into exactly protégés. How can we scale each other? How can we free each other up and become everybody's a leader and hires other people? That's the entrepreneur. Mm. Um, freelancer makes money while they work. Entrepreneur makes money while they sleep. Yeah, okay, that's, I like that. Really... I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's really. In, uh, Stephen's gonna love, or Steve's gonna love the shout out. He's a very. Uh... He always listens to every episode we do and gives me feedback. So he really liked that. And I started as a freelancer. I, I, am, I, I was the consultant. I was the one flying in there, do, solving the problems with the team and then flying back to my home. Uh, and uh, at some point, I was like, hmm, wait a moment. First of all, I cannot take on more clients. So something is broken here. And seconds, uh, I have to fly every time. So even if my dream client calls me, let's say Tesla calls me, hey, do you help us with the strategy execution? And I have to say, no, I can't. So something is broken here because uh, I want to work with my dream client. So I always want to have that freedom baked in the possibility to take on something which is more interesting. And you cannot solve that as a freelancer. That was the point when I said, okay, I'm in the wrong modus. Uh, I, I, I need to change modus into the entrepreneurial modus to really enjoy what I was looking for. I was looking for freedom, but a freelancer has no freedom at all. In my definition as an entrepreneur that you can pick and choose what you want. Uh, so I was like, mm, I have to scale myself. I am the bottleneck to my business. I, I am a star. I want to go from star to galaxy. So maybe it's just a little bit about your mindset, because even the term entrepreneur to me, because if I'm using the example that uh, James used of James and his brother, I'm very much on Stephen's side, on the brother's side that, yeah, I like, as you say, to have a, an afternoon off on a Friday is like really nice. But when I stop and I put my tools down, nothing happens until I pick the tools up again. But that thought of employing someone else or really pushing the project to the kind of next level in the way that James does, uh, I guess, scares me in some way. So I was trying to think, is there this middle ground between entrepreneur and freelancer? And I guess there is. You kind of just need to go to the entrepreneur and then you yourself can become the freelancer in the way that you want to live. But someone else is doing uh, picking up the tools while you're doing what you kind of want, uh, want to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so what Simon just mentioned. So this is what, what I also wanted. But of course, we we want our loved ones to be happy and live lead the best lives, right? So, um, I know that you know landscaping isn't all equal. There's 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 some tasks that are really quite awful and quite hard work. And but there's and there's some clients that like Simon said, Tesla. You know, that's his dream client, or was his dream client. Um, so why you know if wouldn't it be great to have that opportunity to always be focused on the dream client? There's no reason why. And, you know, and then if you've got a team or, you know, it doesn't have to be an army. It could be one or two people. They could do the stuff that you weren't, you know, didn't really care about. And you could dip in and out whenever you wanted. So it's almost like that freedom to, you know, but if it's just you doing the work, you'll be doing this job and you want to be over there and you can't. <laughs> like, like you said, Simon, really interesting. Very interesting. Uh, That's how I felt. And I guess the, the, the main thing is, can you enjoy putting down uh the the pencil and really relaxing or not the entrepreneur 
cannot relax. When the pencil is down, the entrepreneur panics. And, and so that's the difference, I think, and, and, and what helps taking this decision. I think there is no middle ground. Um, you are a very, a very good freelancer or a very good entrepreneur. And, um, and it's really different kinds of thinking and of being and different energy. Do you have any advice um, for people that really struggle, like putting that pen down again? Um, my example would be James. He's always replying to messages at 10, 10 30 at night on Slack in our uh, podcast group and those kind of things. But do you, is that something that you yourself struggle with, Simon? Or, and do you have any kind of tips for anyone that kind of really struggles with just putting the pen down and closing the laptop? Our, our way of dealing with it is just to acknowledge it and uh, to organize accordingly. So we always ask ourselves, what's your superpower? And we organize according to the superpower. So the people who like uh, to put down the pencil at some point, in our case, it's the coaches. The coaches, they want to have a, a client and they will coach the client, but they don't want to do all the marketing, all the sales, all the sleeping bed in a week where you don't have enough sales, etc. So a perfect coach is a, is a freelancer. They are, their magic is coaching. So what we will do is they don't have the task to, to do marketing and sales and operations and finances because they don't like it. So they will just get clients and do their magic. That's it. That's all they need to do. And then there are other people, these panicky guys, they will do sales, growth, marketing and all that stuff and they will do it all the time because that's how they are wired. And so we let them be uh, like they are. We let the others be like they are. And as a team, they are wonderful because they really fit well together. You need somebody who has all this stress of, of bringing in the clients. They will do it because they love it anyway. And then you have other people who just get the client and deliver on the client and they love it. So together, it's a perfect combination. It's interesting. I know that we're kind of getting close to the end here, but, um, uh, we, we interviewed Daniel Priestley the other day, and um, I know that uh, we recently introduced you, Simon, and I think you knew each other anyway. So anyway, but he was talking about, uh, you know, entrepreneurship comes in cycles. You know, there's, there's a two, three years often that you have to eat glass and you just got to basically struggle and do what you need to do to kind of get that, you know, plane launched. Um, and then there's times when, you know, it's launched and you've got a, an amazing team and you're, you know, you're fully capitalized and you know, you're at cruising altitude and you can kind of put the pencil down a little bit. Um, so I think just acknowledging, I think there, there are cycles. I, I definitely love the idea of, you know, having a bit more, uh, maybe a bit more, better systems um, in my world and actually have a bit of, you know, a bit more down, downtime. But I also recognize that there's times for when you've just got to bust it really hard um, to get something really amazing going. So I think, um, you know, that there is different cycles. So. As we as we wrap up, uh, I don't know if you want to comment to that, Simon, before um, we uh, we wrap up. Yeah, sure. So I was thinking of our cycles. Uh, uh, when whenever we had the time where okay, the thing is just running now, it it works. Now we we could all relax and do. That was the point where I started writing the book because an entrepreneur starts the next cycle. Whenever you can, you start the next cycle. If you sell your company, you will not just golf all the time. I, I have never seen 17 years of working with entrepreneurs. I have never seen somebody selling for billions and then just relaxing. They start the next thing. So I, yeah, I agree with the cycles. 
and after each cycle comes the next cycle. Excellent. So um, as we come to a close, Simon, is there any bit of advice um, that you would leave our listeners with? I guess right now, many people think, oh, I have to do more, I have to do more. I don't think you have to do more. Whatever you have on your plate, write it down. And then ask yourself, what is really important? What is really going to move the needle forward? And cut the rest. That is excellent advice. How do people find you? Uh, are there any social handles or, yeah? At strategiesprints.com, I'm Simon Severino. You, you find me everywhere. We are social animals. Fantastic, fantastic. Nice. Could I ask you a couple of questions about your podcast? And uh, when, when, so when did you start uh, recording the podcast? Ooh, three years ago, with a friend of mine, uh, <laughs> he, he says, Simon, we should start a podcast. And I said, what is a podcast? And he said, oh, it's something cool, it's, it's, it's coming. In Europe, it will, be, it will be coming much later, but right now it's right there, it's the new thing. And I said, I, I have no idea what this is, but let's do it. <laughs> and so we started like that. And it was fun. I had a suit and tie, I had three cameramen coming, and they were from, from the movies industry, it was extremely, expensive every single episode and it and we went out like once a month uh second year no suit no tie just shirt no cameraman we went out there weekly now third year daily episodes we had amazing people last week perry marshall anthony yannarino uh, David Allen was on the show, Rita McGrath, Gino Wickman coming next week. Wow. And, but it's, it's just, it's really simple. It's daily and it's simple. And it's for me an exercise in, in empathy. I meet strangers and I'm, I'm curious and I learn how to, how to listen, how to communicate. And I am building my network actually, uh, which is, which is also nice. And yeah, I'm loving this exercise. I, I'm also learning English because I'm Italian, so I, I cannot speak English. So I'm learning every day a little bit. Did you, in the beginning, how did you find the guests for the show? And was there, so I'm guessing you were reaching out to people kind of on LinkedIn and those kind of things. And what was the tipping point for people kind of coming to you? Like, has that happened in recent months or in recent yeah, years? Yeah, good question. We, we, were, we were always booked out very long time like right now we are booked out until october and it's it's march uh, it's, it's april now first of april but I, I don't know when the tipping point was but we had at the beginning michelle reaching out to everybody i was asking my friends hey do you know somebody da, 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 da. For the first one were my actual friends and then friends of friends and then people we were asking etc etc and then uh, we started noticing what our audience is and who they are and what they care about. And now we are specifically targeting people who can add some value to these questions that they have. And most questions are around sales and growth and running a business. Okay, excellent. So, yeah, one thing I have not. So, is there any knowing about RocketPod and what we're about? We're not just about business, it's more about the, you know, what drives people and what we've talked about. Is there anyone that you think we should uh, interview? Um, any, anyone that stands out that uh, you'd recommend? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Perry Marshall was amazing. 
he he had this notion he's not just the google ads guru and the sales guy he really made a difference in terms of what is eternal and what is ephemeral passing by he starts day every day with just reading pre-gutenberg books like the bible the bhagavad gita socrates uh, so he's really he's he's a he's an amazing guy also an amazing guest um was anthony yanarino he is a sales pro b2b corporate sales he's number one his book is called the the lost art of closing and he is an amazing concept on how to improve sales uh yeah these are these are two of them that i really would recommend thank you well perhaps we'll get in touch do you have a dream guest a dream guest for anyone that you would like to have on your on your podcast that i would like to have on my podcast. yeah 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 that you would like to have that you've not either you've never reached out to or they're just kind of way up here that you maybe will never be able to get to. I am I am I am a Tesla investor since the very first day and my dream is to have Elon Musk on the show I have I've not asked him yet I am working towards that that's really funny so one of my advisors at Flexi uh, challenged me to get a copy with Elon Musk <laughs> and I, I, I said it might take me 10 years so you never know maybe maybe there's something we can uh, if I get there first who knows I don't know <laughs> good that's well, why I train in the office. I have time yeah exactly well thank you so much it's been it's been an absolute pleasure uh, we've learned a lot um, and hopefully that you know the, um, the process was as enjoyable for you as it was for us so thank you for yeah thank you for your time and graciousness it's been great to have you on Thank you, Peter. Thank you, James. Thank you, Rocket Pod Nation. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Rocket Pod. Now, join us next week as we sit down with Roy Samuel, founder, angel investor, and startup mentor. We go into a conversation about all things SEIS, EIS, angel investing, his early journey, and where he is today and looking to go in the future definitely don't want to miss it so hit that subscribe button again thank you to our awesome sponsor flexi who is the mecca for all your subscriptions and recently they have just launched their online marketplace on their website so no longer just app based so remember check out flexiapp.uk and start managing your subscriptions from a single dashboard today have an awesome week we'll see you next time